0: Hi, welcome to the Brooks Online Gather. My name is Moochie Cable, one of the pastors here at the church. Honored, excited uh, that we could connect together in this moment, in this way. If you have a Bible, go ahead and grab it and meet me in Psalm 145. Uh, Psalm 145 is gonna shape our time uh, together today. If you don't have a Bible, it's okay, the words are gonna be on the screen. But we're actually kicking off a series called A people. Now we're starting today, but it will span the rest of the year. This is going to carry us through 2020A people. Now the hope of this series, the aim of this series is that we would be enveloped by our vision. What, What is the picture that pulls us forward? What is the hope that energizes our actions? Our vision. But not just the vision of eight people, if you will, but what are the values that mark us, that move us, that mold us, that shape us? Not just what we feel called to see take place, but who we feel called to be. And what are the rhythms of growth, habits of growth, if you will, that we can experience and we should pursue collectively and personally, A people starting today but spanning the rest of the year now a lot of this has been birthed from this question that's been dominating my mind which is what do we want to hand over to the future what do we want to hand to them i my, my grandparents died when I was young, so I don't have the same experience as other people with their grandparents, so I kind of live vicariously through my children. And I just watch how my dad and my father-in-law and my mom and my mother-in-law, how they communicate and how they think about the present and the future, and it's powerful they they are modeling something that i think is necessary for all people regardless of whether you are a grandparent a parent or a child regardless of who you are what stage of life you're in they're modeling something which is this necessity to be both future oriented yet rooted in the present and this interplay between being future oriented yet rooted in the present is powerful because i am watching them live out an ethic of saying you matter and I'm going to invest my time into you, knowing that if I invest into you, I'm investing in those who will follow you even if I can't see them. And watching that interaction has been, I mean, refreshing my heart but dominating my mind with the question, what do we want to hand to the future? And the answer I keep coming back to is an idea. It is an idea that can be carried out and experienced regularly. But it's not just an idea. It's an example that turns that idea from just this concept that we could engage with, but to this concrete experience that we should model and pursue what what I feel call to hand over to the future is an idea and an example. This idea is that there's weight and beauty to life with Jesus. There's weight and beauty to life with Jesus. This example is a people. People who are embodying that weight and beauty. That's why our guiding desire, our vision, is a movement of people bringing the weight and beauty of Jesus to every sphere of life in everyday ways, crossing barriers and borders in this generation and the one to come, to movement. Because it's a movement, that means it's multiplying. Because it's people, that means their dynamics that are both individual and collective because it's in every sphere of life that means everybody can get the beauty of what's being offered because it's in everyday ways it's accessible and reproducible and because it's crossing barriers and crossing borders it's multi-ethnic multicultural multi-generational and global because it's in our generation the time is now (laughs) and because it's for the generations to come like my dad and my father-in-law and my mom and my mother-in-law it really is for people that we can't see but god sees them as a result it's not rooted in our ability our energy it's rooted in god's heart that's our vision all orienting around an idea. Again, there's a weight and beauty to life with Jesus. What I want to do today through Psalm 145 is just invite us to this devotion that I've been having in hopes that it would create devotion in our hearts as well. This invitation to this devotion will also kind of give weight to the weight that is shaping the vision. I'll pull out some verses that kind of inform what I feel God has been calling us to do, who he's been calling us to be, and then I'll close with some applications as it relates to us now and for the next few weeks. So Psalm 145, it reads poetically, so let's read it together and then we'll take it um, bit by bit. Verse one. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. And if you make notes in the Bible, then underline that, star that. His greatness is unsearchable searchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. They shall Pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all and his mercy is over all that he has made. All of your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all of your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds, the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his works and kind in all his works. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand. You satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear Him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love Him. But all the wicked He will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh bless His holy name forever and ever Amen. What can we say about this psalm, man? It's loaded. It's, it's, it's loaded. It's, it's loaded and it's layered. This is a psalm of David. Like I, like I said, the psalms are the diary and the soul of the people of God. Within them, we see the interactions of emotions, of ideas, of relationship with self relationship with others relationship with the world around them and relationship with the god above them who is also among them the psalms are us david penned this psalm and one of the things that is enriching to me is that there is no clear circumstance to pin down why he's writing this So other Psalms written by David, you have circumstances that arise. I abused my power and the privilege and the prestige of my office as king by taking another man's wife and then not just committing adultery and abusing her, but sending her husband to die in battle. I did that. God confronted me in my sin and my wickedness and I repented. Psalm 51. God, don't don't take your spirit from me. Don't don't remove your presence from me. God, I need you. I'm turning from the wickedness and the wrong that i participated in back to you god created me a clean heart There is an occasion that allowed him to pen such humble contrite words but he's running from his enemies and he's penning yo where else can i go you are my refuge there's an occasion that causes him to pen such a petition and declaration of god's strength and reality as a shelter yet there's no real occasion for this other than the fact he understands who he's in relationship with this psalm is utterly relational it's utterly relational and it is that relational air that brings weight and beauty to the words that he's penning to the descriptions of god that we're getting look at the interplay from beginning to end you are seeing the scope of god's greatness this is the beginning he says i had you underline he says god your greatness is unsearchable it's inexhaustible there is an a buffet of your beauty. You know, buffets, they're not going to make it past this pandemic. <laughs> they're gone. Those are gone. But picture them while you still can. There's a unending buffet of the greatness of God. Unsearchable. Inexhaustible. Also unsearchable in a sense you can't really figure it out you can't wrap your mind or your hands around his greatness fully you can identify it but you can't master it he's great transcendent is the word that should be attached to the greatness of god categorically different than everyone else he's great far greater than we could ever imagine Yet, there's an interplay here. There's not just this weaving in of this relational beauty, the greatness of God. You get to the end, and he's like, man, you lift up those who are falling, the oppressed. You are near to those who call on you. They call on you in truth. You hear the cries of people and save them. What's what's woven in this relational song is his nearness, that he's close, that he's present among. God is far greater than we could ever imagine yet. He is closer than we can ever dare believe. That is the God of the Bible. And it is in that intersection of greatness and nearness that humility in the heart should be produced. Now David models this not just in this Psalm but in Psalm 8. How majestic all your works and all of your ways when i consider the works of your hands the cosmos i get a question that bubbles up in my heart and comes to mind what is man that you are mindful of him the son of man that you would care who am i that i would cross your mind humility in the heart and this psalm is no different Oh, that we would get that. The word associated with such weight and beauty is glory. The glory of God. The glory of God is the weight and beauty of who he is and what he does. And this psalm is filled with it Some even call this one of the most doxological psalms we have. Doxa being glory in Greek, logos being word. It is this word of glory and the scriptures are filled with doxologies. You know I love them. Romans 16, there are these declarations or calls to attention regarding the weight and beauty of God. Romans 16, now onto him who was able to strengthen you through the gospel, the good news and announcement that he is making all things new, bringing a family to himself, primarily through the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ in our place for our sake. And he provides strength through that glorious word. Honor him. Now unto him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you before his presence with great joy. That though we may fall, we don't stay down because God has keeping power. Honor him. He's glorious. And this psalm is just filled with so many truths that we could pull out and say, yeah, yeah, honor him in light of that. The God who is near to people, the God who does mighty deeds, the God who preserves the righteous, his own people, the God who deals with the wicked, wicked not just being Acts, but wickedness being the rejection of God and his standards, the God who deals with all of that and the expressions of wickedness, which is pain and suffering for people. Honor him. This, the entirety of this psalm is honor him. It is to elevate his worth above all. Because your mind has been blown and your heart has been settled by what you see and what he does. Paul Tripp, he says, "The glory of God blows the mind and settles the heart. Thus it should produce honor." Now, that's why I, love, this is why, I love, this is why I love this song. This is why I just love this song. But here's how it's moving me to understand this idea of weight and beauty with life with Jesus. Verse 4 and 5. So, verse 4 says, One generation will commend to the next your mighty deeds. Your wondrous acts. It's telling the story. It's sharing truth in a transformative way. It is transferring compelling ideas for the sake of life yet to come. Yet, it's it's not merely the sharing of ideas. It is the sharing of an experience. We know this to be true because verse five, like David, he's really good at code switching. (laughs) He's like, they will do this, but I'm gonna do this. Meaning that what I want them to do, I'm going to model even now. And so he says, yeah, yeah. One generation will commend your mighty deeds and acts, but I will meditate on your glorious splendor, the glorious splendor of your works. I'm going to meditate on that. And meditation throughout the scriptures, it's it's less emptying the mind or cognitive exercises. Meditation is to be, Filled with ideas and experiences that shape and settle the heart. So he says, I am going to fill myself with you, more of you, through studying and interacting and relationship. So that what I'm asking people to experience is not something I haven't. I look at my kids often because they're around us, we're in a pandemic still. And I know that I have a limited time with them. And all I could think is, in the limited time I have with them, I want them to have a clear, powerful picture of my love for them. But I want them to even have a more Powerful and clear picture of God's work in their lives and so it's to give them this idea that shapes all of us in our church Noah Serenity Joel there is weight and beauty to life with Jesus But it's not just to give them this idea and then send them on their way. It's to give them this idea and be with them through the expression of it. But it's also to give them this idea and challenge them to action. There is life and beauty. There's weight with Jesus. And we have the opportunity to experience that the more we're relationally connected to him. And then invite others to do the same. So Noah, Serenity, Joel, there's beauty and weight to life with Jesus. Now thirst for it. Thirst for it. Enjoy it. And then go express it. There's a supplemental idea alongside that, that the text brings we see this greatness of God, which should remind us that we aren't that. (laughs) And the essence of sin is disbelieving who God is that leads to disobedience in our lives and a dethroning of God to replace him. And by doing that, what ends up happening is we actually cheat ourselves of the beauty of our humanity and we cheat ourselves of the offers God makes to us. Don't cheat your humanity trying to play God. Rather, allow the fullness of who God is to fill, shape, mold, and move, creating an experience in the here and now that moves us to the future. Psalm 145, we could talk for hours about it, but I just wanna whet our appetite. And I wanna continue to whet our appetite beyond this moment by giving us a challenge. For the next 21 days, the next 21 days, take a verse a day with us. Starting tomorrow, take a verse a day with us. And as we take a verse, let us allow the ideas the verse is offering to to start to shape our hearts to massage our hearts to create this atmosphere of sensitivity so as we walk through the vision and implications of what pulls us forward and we walk through the values that mark us and we walk through the means the habits or the rhythms that allow us to grow, they're not detached from a heart that actually loves God. Rather, they're being rooted in soil that has been savoring the God who is great yet near. Would you do that? Would you do that with us? Hopefully, at the end of the year, we'll look back at this moment as a springboard to something beautiful. Pray with me, Jesus, we need you to make this so. So bring your word to life in ways that my words cannot. You are a storyteller. You tell tremendous stories regarding yourself, us, others and how things can be would we be captivated by the invitation your word gives us and would we be an example a necessary example for the here and now and what's coming in your name we pray jesus amen